open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise to Thee, O Christ, King of eternal glory. Christ, for our sakes, hath endured temptation and suffering. O come, let us worship Him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. And make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. Form the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to Christ, for our sakes, hath endured temptation and suffering. O come, let us worship him.
Awake, why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise, cast us not off forever. For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Arise for our help. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days, in the times of old. How thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand and plantest them. How thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. But thou hast saved us from our enemies, and hast put them to shame that hated us. In God we boast all the day long, and praise thy name forevermore. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Awake, why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise, cast us not off forever, for our soul is bowed down to the dust. Arise for our help. The Old Testament lesson for Sexagesima Sunday is written in the 55th chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah, beginning at the 10th verse. For as the rain comes down and the snow from the sky, and doesn't return there, but waters the earth, and makes it grow and bud, and gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void but it will accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper in the thing I sent it to do. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth out before you into singing, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn, the cypress tree will come up, and instead of the briar, the myrtle tree will come up. It will make a name for the Lord, for an everlasting sign that will not be cut off. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the eleventh and twelfth chapters of the second epistle to the Corinthians, beginning at the nineteenth verse. Brothers, for you bear with a foolish gladly, being wise. For you bear with a man if he brings you into bondage, if he devours you, if he takes you captive, if he exalts himself, or if he strikes you on the face. I speak by way of disparagement, as though we had been weak. Yet in whatever way anyone is bold, I speak in foolishness. I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as one beside myself. I am more so. In labors, more abundantly. In prisons, more abundantly. In stripes, above measure. And in deaths, often. Five times I received forty stripes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. I have been a night and a day in the deep. I have been in travels often, perils of rivers, perils of robbers, perils from my countrymen, perils from the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brothers, in labor and travail, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, and in cold and nakedness. 
Besides those things that are outside, there is that which presses on me daily, anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And am I not weak? Who is caused to stumble? And don't I burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that concern my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, he who is blessed forevermore, knows that I don't lie. In Damascus, the governor under King Aratos guarded the city of Damascus, desiring to arrest me. I was let down in a basket through a window by the wall and escaped his hands. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast, for I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who was caught up into the third heaven fourteen years ago. Whether in the body, I don't know, or whether out of the body, I don't know, God knows. I know such a man, whether in the body or outside the body, I don't know, God knows, how he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. On behalf of such a one, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except in my weaknesses. For if I would desire to boast, I will not be foolish, for I speak the truth, but I refrain, so that no man may think more of me than that which he sees in me or hears from me. By reason of the exceeding greatness of the revelations, that I should not be exalted excessively, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, that I should not be exalted excessively. Concerning this thing, I begged the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest on me. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Let thy enemies know that thou, whose name alone is Yahweh, art the most high over all the earth. O my God, make them like a wheel, as the stubble before the wind.
God, Thou hast cast us off, Thou hast scattered us, Thou hast been displeased, O turn Thyself to us again. Thou hast made the earth to tremble, Thou hast broken it. Heal the breaches thereof, for it shaketh, that Thy beloved may be delivered. Save with Thy right hand, and hear me. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the eighth chapter. Glory be to Thee, O Lord. When a great multitude came together, and people from every city were coming to Jesus, He spoke by a parable. The farmer went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some fell along the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock, and as soon as it grew, it withered away, because it had no moisture. Other fell amid the thorns, and the thorns grew with it, and choked it. Other fell into the good ground, and it grew, and produced one hundred times as much fruit. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, What does this parable mean? He said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of God's kingdom, but to the rest in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those along the road are those who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are they who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. But these have not root, who believe for a while, then fall away in time of temptation. That which fell among the thorns, these are those who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Those in the good ground, these are those who, with an honest and good heart, having heard the word, hold it tightly, and produce fruit with perseverance. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. The Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble, and they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee, and they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, and they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. As we, sw- as we said, we continue to prepare for the Lenten journey ahead of us. And last week, we were prepared for it by being catechized that being in the vineyard, in the church, was by God's grace alone. And today, we are catechized about our labor, our work in the vineyard, as told by the parable in the sower. It doesn't seem obvious right away, but take a look at the parable. It's a rather straightforward parable, especially as our Lord explains it. The sower sows the seed, which is the Word of God. Some seed falls on the hardened soil of of the path of the road, and that is the hardened hearts of men which refuse to let the Word in that the devil then snatches away. Some seed falls along the rocky soil, which are the 
hearts which receive the word with joy, but then they fall away eventually and become jaded as the excitement wears off, as suffering and persecution happen. Other seed falls among thorny soil, which are the hearts which try to keep the word along with the cares and pleasures and worries of this life, but eventually all those things choke the word out. Then there's the good soil, who are those with honest, good hearts, which receive the word and hold fast to it. That's the parable. That's it. We hear it every year. We hear it often. It's a very popular parable. And we hear it and we simply think, I want to be the good soil. Maybe I already am the good soil. And then we don't consider it any further. There's nothing more that we think of it. But this morning, ask yourself, if the parable really is this simple, then why is it that so many hearts are anything other than the good soil? Do our hearts always feel like the good soil? Why, aren't, why isn't every heart yielding a hundredfold? Is being the good soil, is having an honest, good heart, is it really that simple? Is it really this easy as just being different types of soil? Well, many of you, many of you are farmers or gardeners. So ask yourselves, how easy is it to cultivate land? How easy is it to take land that's never been worked before and have it be used for planting? Besides needing to find the right soil, what goes into cultivating land which was never worked? Well, I'm not a farmer, but I'll take a stab at it. First, I suppose, you'd have to till the soil. From what I've read, it has to be about a foot deep. You need to till it about a foot deep to have enough depth to plant the seed. And Really, seed can't enter soil that isn't broken up. That's part of the reason why you till it. And as you till the soil, it reveals the rocks, maybe boulders that need to be removed. It digs up the thorns and thistles and weeds that need to be uprooted. And then there's other prep work after that. You have to have proper irrigation. You have to apply fertilizer. Maybe nowadays install some tile, that sort of work. We can rattle off the work, but those of you that go through it, you know that it requires sacrifice of time, labor, money for machines, for, or, uh, strength, blood, sweat, tears. You put your whole self into it. And then after you plant the seed, you have to maintain the field. You have to maintain the soil. You have to keep the weeds out of it. You have to keep the pests out of it. And then when you plant in spring, you have to have patience over all the spring and summer until fall where you can finally harvest it. But even after all that work, after all that prep of working, of working the soil, of getting it ready. Even then, as you wait from spring to fall, nothing is guaranteed because the soil can still suffer things that are outside your control. There could be flooding. There could be drought. 
There could be the scorching heat of the sun. If it's hot and dry, maybe field fires. It can suffer disease or pests or rodents. We've seen fields in the last few years suffer storms, winds, tornadoes, derechos, hail. All of that's outside your control. How unfair, it must, how unfair it must feel for many farmers who put all the work in, are faithful to their calling, who do all the right things, and then what do you see but a ratio in a matter of hours destroy a large section of your fields? You've had it happen to you. You know that even when you work hard, when you're faithful, when you're zealous to take care of the ground, still it might suffer. And so it is also for the work that goes into making a good, honest, receptive heart. Our hearts don't begin as good or honest. Our hearts begin as uncultivated. Soil that's been hardened by sin. Under the domain of the devil flying around like birds. It's not until the Holy Spirit comes with the law of God that our hearts are convicted. That our hearts are tilled, broken, crushed so that the seed has room to enter. Under the Spirit, that's part of our hard labor and work in, in the vineyard, so to speak, to mix the parables. We read the commandments. We read the law of God. We meditate on them. We reflect, of, we reflect on the law of God and look at ourselves like looking into a mirror. The law reveals who we are. In fact, the church, the church over history has come out with confessional mirrors, books that help you delve into deep reflection of the commandments so that the Spirit and the Word may show us our sins, may reveal that we are sinners, so that in all that our hearts may be tilled and crushed and the seed can enter in. In fact, we'll have confession booklets out for you next week for those who would like one. That's part of the work for those of us in the vineyard. But the work doesn't end there. As our hearts are tilled, then come the rocks of our hearts that begin to be dug up. These are the habits. These are the things that we identified with before we repented. These are the idols which were, that had to find us. These are the habits of old religions. These are the habits of anger and hatred, of dishonor of parents, the habits of lust and adultery, of neglect at work, the habits of lies and gossips of the tongue, which, all of which make us feel who we are. And if the seed is to be planted and to take root, the rocks of our pride and sins and old ways and old false beliefs, they must be removed. That is, the, that is only done by the labor and work of self-denial. The self-denial of repentance is how the rocks in our hearts are removed. Where the soil of the heart is worked only by mortifying the flesh in the confession of sins. That's hard work. But it doesn't end there either. Because as the soil of the heart is tilled, then the roots of the thistles and thorns and weeds, our pleasures and cares and anxieties for food and clothing and home, all those are exposed. And worse yet, 
as we're working the field, even after we plant, still the devil and the world, as we're not paying attention, comes and sows the seeds of those things, of thorns and thistles, when we're not looking. So only by fasting of these things, denying the flesh of those pleasures, those cares, those anxieties, and then giving charitably to others who are in need of those things, only then can we weed out the cares and pleasures and anxieties that get, that get in the way of the seed to grow. Again, it's hard work. Reflecting on our sin, the self-denial of repentance, fasting and self-sacrificial love, that is the labor for us in the vineyard under the Spirit. These are the labors of Lent. That's what we're preparing for. This is what is needed to have a good, honest, receptive heart. An honest heart is a repentant heart. That's the work of the vineyard. But like the farmer who is faithful in his life and work and still sees his soil suffer, so it is for us who, who have good, honest hearts. Where the farmer is faithful, still there is suffering. Where we are faithful in this work, still we suffer. Perhaps it's suffering by being hit with a flood of problems in life. Job loss, death, illness, divorce. When it all happens at once. Or maybe it's the opposite. It's a drought. Where we're hit with periods where nothing seems to go our way. Where God's face doesn't seem to shine on us at all. Perhaps we face illness or disease. Or maybe we suffer with the pests of this world who mock us for our faith. Or the, st or the storms or hail of this world that persecute us even to the point of death, for doing the faithful work of the vineyard. In our faithfulness, we still suffer. And in our suffering, we cry out to God. But what often happens when we do that? We wonder where He is. We know that the sower has come before and sowed the seed, but where is He now when the storm hits the soil? When suffering hits our hearts. Because that's in the psalm today, at the beginning of the service. That's what the psalmist is also asking. The psalmist also has lived faithfully, and he suffered greatly. And so he cries out to God saying, Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Rise up. Come to our help. He's praying, Lord, where are you? Act. Do something. When the violent winds drive our souls down to the dust where the serpent eats and the storms bring us to our knees in the earth, where is God to answer? Where is God to comfort? Why does he seem to be silent in fact, the psalmist here says it feels like God is sleeping. Like all the, They always accuse the false gods of the pagans of sleeping. Now our own God seems to be sleeping. Especially when we suffer when we've done nothing wrong. When we suffer for being faithful. Why, Lord? Where are you? And when God doesn't seem to answer, when we suffer and God doesn't seem to answer, well, all of a sudden, being the other types of soil doesn't seem so bad. And then temptation enters in. 
why should we do the faithful, honest work if we're going to suffer the same storms as the other soils stuff, as the other soils suffer, as the other types of hearts suffer? More than that, why do faithful, honest work and have faithful, honest hearts when the other soils seem to be doing better through those storms? In other words, I shouldn't say in other words, but, but if you think about it a little deeper, for the, for the soil, that's the path, that's the hardened, packed earth, that's the hardened heart that doesn't let anything in. Well, what's the wind, rain, and hail to that kind of heart? If it's so hard that it doesn't let anything in, if wind, rain, and hail can't get in, if it, suffering can't get in, if that kind of heart is just always numb because it's so hard, well, then it doesn't have to suffer, does it? It doesn't seem so bad when we're going through the storms. Or why not be like the, rocky, like the rocks of the rocky path? Why stick around when it gets hard? That path may be jaded with all kinds of rocks, but at least the rocks seem to be fighting back. It's constant cynicism, but at least it seems to be fighting back against the elements more than the open field can do. And as for the path with thorns and thistles, well, that looks like pretty good cover and protection for the soil when the suffering comes along. Those pleasures look pretty good instead of suffering, don't they? And so the other types of soil seem to be set up to survive the storms better. But us, who are the open, exposed soil, who have open, exposed hearts, when we've had the difficult labor of the day in the scorching heat, how are we supposed to survive and produce a yield when there's such suffering and storms? How are we supposed to endure the winds and hail until harvest when it's months away? And the answer that the psalmist gives is remarkably simple. How are we to endure with good, honest hearts in suffering. It's the seed. That's the difference between this field and all the others. It's the seed. It's the word alone. Now it is true. All the work of tilling, of pulling rocks, of weeding out the soil, the labor of self-examination, of self-denial, of fasting, it's all hard work. But none of it saves from suffering. Look at all the hard work of Paul that we read in the epistle. He, claimed, he didn't claim any of it saved him, but he suffered it. There's no salvation in these works. There's no good fruit or good works that will be yielded by them. These works are needed, but on their own they produce nothing. When John the Baptist says, repent, these are the works he's talking about under the Spirit. But what is repentance if the kingdom of heaven is not at hand? And so it's about the seed. Ask any farmer here. Is all the work of farming worth it if you don't have the seed? And the answer is, of course not. The work of the soil, the work of the field, all the labor that you put in of it, none of it matters if you don't have the seed. None of the work of Lent matters if you don't have the word. And that's why the psalmist, after crying to a God that seems like he's asleep, that's why the psalmist then turns to the Word. Notice what he says next. 
After he cries out to God who seems to be sleeping, then the psalmist says, O God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples, the Canaanites, but them, the people of Israel, you set free. You have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. The psalmist is lonely, spiritually lonely and suffering. And as he's lonely, he remembers the word of God passed down from his fathers to him. The word which showed how in the days of old God saved and delivered his people, how God conquered, destroyed, and drove out the wicked Canaanites who hated and shamed Israel. And then he talks about how God planted Israel like a tree in the promised land that made Israel flourish. They were like a tree whose branches spread out and produced good fruit. God did all of that. So in his suffering, he, the psalmist meditates on the word alone and by focusing on the seed planted in his heart that his fathers passed down to him. Then the psalmist is strengthened to endure to endure all suffering, to suffer cheerfully. And in suffering, he's able then to praise God and confess God's name even throughout all the storms. Again, the only difference between that field and all the others is the seed, is the word. And so it is for us. We labor in faithfulness and we suffer. Oftentimes we feel alone. And when it seems like God is quiet and not answering our prayer, that's when the psalmist shows us to look to the word implanted in our hearts. That's where we're encouraged to focus on the seed of Christ crucified, whose crucifixion and death are implanted in us. So that as the seed is planted and dies in us, it begins to grow, begins to resurrect and grow us in faith and salvation. Day by day, we will face storms and sufferings. And day by day, inch by inch, it will feel like nothing changes. But what goes unnoticed day by day is that the seed slowly, slowly grows. It's quiet it's unnoticed, but it grows. It's not until we've had a season of suffering, or perhaps it's not until we've gone through a full Lenten journey with patience and endurance and long-suffering and hard labor. It's not until we've had a season of that, a long time of that, that then we notice at the end or further down the journey that there's been growth. That the, that the seed has sprouted. That the seed is now above the earth. That the seed is now producing fruit or at least buds. We then see that the Word has always been producing in us faith and hope as promised. Even when it seems like God is not listening, there is the seed in our heart growing 
quietly but strongly. That's why we of good, honest, and suffering soil of good hearts endure. Because the seed of the word is strong. It can't be stopped. It can't be blown over or destroyed. We're about to start the journey of Lent. At the beginning, it feels hard. But then we get towards the end and we see we see at the end of the journey that the seed has produced a hundredfold. That the seed has brought us to Easter morning. Has brought us to the day of the resurrection. That's what we're preparing for in Lent. It's not just a Lenten journey. It's our life's journey in baptism. We've been baptized. We've been put into the, into the church We've been put into the vineyard by His grace alone. Now let us be zealous to do the work of the vineyard. Let us repent and pray. Let us fast and give charitably. Not because it saves us, but so that the soil of our hearts may be ready to receive the Word, so that the soil of our hearts may see the Word grow without any competition, without, without anything getting in its way. That's the work of the vineyard, to be zealous for the Word. All that is to say, we prepare for Lent by being zealous, by not being ashamed, by not shying away from the Word, by reading the Word day in and day out, by coming to church to hear the Word, by living it boldly. We do the work boldly because the seed that is implanted in us is worth all of it. This Lent, allow yourself to be zealous for the Word. Allow yourself to be zealous for the work, knowing there will be suffering. Because it's by that Word, that seed, that we are saved. By grace alone, by the Word alone. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When much people were gathered together unto Jesus, and were come to him out of every city, he spake a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him, all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, 
as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. When much people were gathered together unto Jesus, and were come to him out of every city, he spake a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O God, who sees that we do not put our trust in anything that we do, mercifully grant that by your power we may be defended against all adversity. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishment, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, 
from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen. Thank you.